London. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. All right, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Miller and Condon. It's a football Friday on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. Trent Condon, Ken Miller with you for the next couple of hours talking sports with you because it's not all football. A little golf mixed in uh, to the program periodically is Dustin Johnson and Paul Casey. The leaders uh, after the first round has been completed, and that just happened this morning that the golfers who had to uh, leave the course last night due to dark. Got out early this morning, got things finished up, and round two uh, is underway. Zach Johnson, he's one over, I want to say, one or two over to begin uh, his second round today. The projected cut, obviously it'll change, but right now uh, one over par. So a little golf mixed into the program today, but otherwise on the BMW of Des Moines guest list, uh, Trent and I will talk about the only regional team playing, well, Sunday, and that's the Packers. They'll play Jacksonville. But as much as anything, I'm going to pick Sinekin's brain on the Bears and the Vikings because that certainly moves the needle on Monday night. Uh, so we'll do that at 1025. Tom Cakert is here at 1040. He'll join us previewing tonight's Iowa-Minnesota game that kicks off at 6 o'clock. Coverage down the hall on WHO, 1040 WHO, uh, getting underway at 4 o'clock. Kickoff just after 6. And then at some point... Late, late in the night, you'll be driving home from the Dome listening to Sound Off on WHO as they'll get underway about what? So 6, say 9.30 wraps up, maybe get on 11? 11 would probably be best case scenario, I would guess. Best case scenario. I think so. Yeah. Uh, so that, uh, that'll, um, you know, for your night owls out there, that'll be some, uh, well, it depends on how the game goes, right? Well, you know, everyone's not like you that has to go to bed at the exact same time every night. Well, it's not the exact same well, time. Well, it's pretty dang close. It's five, ten minutes. I mean, I've got that window there. But yeah, that's, I don't know, maybe it's... You're a, not a very flexible individual. No, I'm not, Trent, and I haven't been for a long time. Anyways, back to the guest list. Enough about me. Eleven oh five, Bama Bob, Trent, and I will go around college football, a college football slate that gets uh, fewer and fewer games seemingly by the hour. Twelve cancellations going into this weekend, at least for now. I uh, hope that that comes to an end. There's some big games. Coastal Carolina's game this morning uh, was uh, postponed, although in all likelihood canceled. Um, just so many of those games are running out of weeks to try and reschedule these games. So be safe. Do your part. If you love college football, every little thing helps as the pandemic is out of control throughout the country. Over 160,000 new cases yesterday. And as of 9 o'clock this morning, over 4,000 reported in the state of Iowa in one day. Um, so do your part. Uh, 11.05, Bamba, Bob, Trent, and I around college football. Claxon's giveaway at about 11.40. It's kind of nice in the second hour of the day. Not that I don't want Iowa State to be playing. I wish they were. Mm -hmm. Uh, But we've got a little bit of time where we don't feel like we're cramming every single thing in uh, before we get out of here at noon. We'll do our picks. 
Then Trent will skedaddle up to the Unidome, where he will, uh, along with Joe Stacy, bring you coverage of both games. The first semifinal, Pleasant Valley and Southeast Polk. That's a 4 o'clock kick, 7.30 or thereabouts, Ankeny and Dowling. And you told me something before the show that I didn't realize, that they will clear the building out mm-hmm. uh, before letting in fans for game number two. I know that they want to keep a, what's the magic number, 2,500? 2,500, yep. So that's why, because look, uh, as many times as you've been up there, you're well aware of this. If you play in the first game, you stick around at least for a little while to see if you're on the winning side, your team wins, you know, who you potentially could be playing and what they look like. But they'll clear the building out, and then they'll get underway with game number two. And Trent and Joe both have that one as well. There is no Fanatics on the radio tonight. Uh, Ross and Chris get the night off. Um, well, Chris does. Ross still has to work tonight. Oh, that's right. He's got the late shift. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Him, Travis, and Sean. And Sean Robb's got the early shift tomorrow. Right. Quick turnaround. It is a quick turnaround uh, for Sean. But he's a young buck. He'll be in there. He'll yes. handle it just fine. So uh, last night, just real quick on it before we move around a little bit and get into Iowa and Minnesota and some of the other things percolating out there. The Masters was fun yesterday. How about this? I mean, I, you're, you're going to be busting your hump, and I, and I applaud you for doing so. But the Masters comes on at noon, mm-hmm. and you watch it until 4, or Tigers in the Hunt. You stick around a little bit, and you flip on the uh, the television broadcast of the first semifinal. Then at 6 o'clock, you're over on FS1 watching the Hawks. And when that one wraps up, you catch the final quarter, perhaps, of Ankeny and Dowling. What a night this is going to be. Perfect, right? It really is. It, it's a, it lays out wonderfully well. And um, I'm looking forward to watching at least a good portion of both of the semifinals tonight. And uh, we're going to actually make the two semifinals part of our Claxons giveaway to the extent is we're not going to put point spread, mm-hmm. but our tiebreaker is going to be combined points in the two 4A semis tonight closest without going over. Once we get to that at about 1140 or so. So you're set to go, you and Joe Stacy. How will you handle it? Uh, Joe will be doing play-by-play the first game. I'll be his colored guy for the Southeast Polk PV game. And then we'll flip-flop and I'll do play-by-play for Inkeny against Dowling, the nightcap at Hopefully 7.30. Mm-hmm. Um, had some delays in the past, but after what we saw yesterday and the 202 Holy combined mackerel. points in the eight-player game. Between... You know, we were kidding, Trent. At yeah. some point in the second, first to 100, I think. What, yeah. And yes, it was first to 100. Absolutely crazy. Nuts. And watching, I watched uh, probably the fourth quarter of the game start to finish. They put in the reserves down 22, Montezuma did. You've scored 80-some points. <laughs> And there were still four and a half minutes left, something like it. It was crazy. Then they score and get the two-point conversion. So they're down 14 with over two minutes left, and they don't onside. Yeah, it's weird. It was odd. Yeah, that is In a odd. game where you're scoring that uh-huh. well. did they? Did, did, was there tackling in the football game? Not all? much. Not much. Not much. It, Apparently not. It had the, the look of, we watched like a junior high football game uh-huh. in some of the... Guys coming in high. Now, again, we're talking about eight player. You know, right, we're, we're talking right. about incredibly small towns, consolidated have you towns. Seen a lot, have you seen a game in person at that? I point? have. Yeah. Oh, years ago when I went up, I was doing some games at the dome, and the eight player was playing that morning. It might have been. In fact, I think because their championship, I believe, at least used to be the same day as the four A. It was just the first one of the day, and I think I got up there that earlier, maybe one Thursday night, and just stayed over or something like that. But yeah, seen it in person. It's the first time you see it. It's incredibly odd. Now, you've seen it on television and the yellow mm-hmm. lines that they have to mm-hmm. bring in because, obviously, it's a smaller field. Right. And it takes a while to get used to, and I can't imagine doing that game because you have the yard lines. And on one side of the field, they're fine. But when they're going the other way in the 80-yard field, 
you can't be looking at the actual Unidome and what they have for the, the lines there in terms of yardage. You have to be looking at the little orange markers that they have out there, what the actual yard lines is. But it's a fun, fun way to do it. And it's it's fun to see the different ways. So you got three offensive linemen as opposed to five. That's the main difference. But watching either teams that are power football, old school run it, and the ones that are just going to chuck it around yeah. and play completely different styles. And we see that more and more and going on right now. St. Ansgar, they run the wishbone. They're old school. <laughs> they go with the wishbone. I think they've thrown the ball in 11 games this year, something like 60 times. Huh. And then Iowa City Regina with Marv Cook, the head coach there, and his son's the quarterback. And they're spread. Right. And you get that at, at Class A anymore. You don't see a whole lot of those kind of big, big differences in the way they play. In fact, we might get that tonight with uh, this afternoon with Southeast Polk and PV. PV, they run the flex bone, so they're going to be old school, run the football, control the line of scrimmage, and Southeast Polk, they'll spread you out a little bit more. Still dedicated with the running game, but more of a spread offense. So what would be the closest to proximity-wise? Because I don't remember when I was doing the football Friday night anchoring. Yeah. I don't remember doing a lot or having correspondence at eight-man games. What would be the closest? It's a ways away, It is, yeah. I mean... There's some of those schools to the south of us that would be the ones, and I don't know what the nearest one would be. I don't remember ever sending someone to cover an eight-man game. Right. I just is Martinsdale St. Mary's a player now? Maybe I know they used to not be. No, because we would have. I think it was a gal that covered that for us. Oh, really? I think. Anyways, long time ago. So uh, the football game last night, um, but you know what? The Colts' strength and and Philip Rivers, at least for one night, Mm -hmm. he looked really good. And this uh, Titans defense. Um, they got some problems, some big problems. And um, look at right now, I, mean, I get it yeah, based on what we saw last night. The Colts certainly look as though they are the team to beat in the South, and that record-wise says that they are. But they'll play again in two weeks in Tennessee between last night and the game. The, the uh, game that uh, in two weeks they got to play Baltimore. So no easy, no easy scheduling for the. Uh, Titans as they try to rebound and get things going again. But I was impressed by the Colts. I really was. Phillip Rivers was good, uh, throwing the ball accurately as he was, uh, running the football. Uh, pretty fun football game. Got got away from uh, the point spread late in the game. But that line really moved because I think yesterday morning mm-hmm. uh, Titans were actually favored. And the Colts and the Colts were the favorite uh, when, when the game kicked. By the way, a lot of the states reporting their handle numbers. DraftKings is just cleaning up. I mean, just making money hand over fist. You know, every every week in our uh, TV show, we always talk about some of the big bets that are made and yep. the ones that come through. And just think of how many of those that we hear. Now, a big part of it is your PR staff that you have right. that's to get it out to the Darren Ravels and the sports reporters. Well, Trent, when, you get, when you're a property and you get beat for a big bet, mm-hmm. it stings a little bit, but you want to at least capitalize on it. Absolutely. So you make sure you funnel that to the Ravels or the David Purdoms at mm-hmm. ESPN.com and... Uh, because you want to plant that seed, better see what you it can happen. And it seems like more times than not, the ones we hear about are from DraftKings. The mm-hmm. huge money that comes they in, the big bets, hundreds of thousands of dollars that they'll do that. That parlay that we saw, what about a month ago, where it was Georgia to oh, win the, the three SEC million dollar parlay, yeah. the, the Packers to win the NFC North. Yep. Looks like they're in a good spot. Mm-hmm. The uh, Crimson Tide, Alabama to win the SEC West. Looks like they're in a good spot, but they need Georgia to win the East. And after last weekend, uh, Florida essentially has a two game lead on them right. now with with the tiebreaker. So it looks as though that bet's going to go down. Is flames. Florida even going to play two more games? Well, great point, right? <laughs> because I wouldn't be surprised if the LSU game is canceled. Yes, just out of uh, competitive reasons because. Um, 
one of those two teams is going to have a bye going into the SEC championship. So more about that later, but here's my trivia question for you. Okay. What state is now number two in sports wagering? Jersey one, who is two? Pennsylvania. It's not Nevada. It's not Pennsylvania? Illinois. Oh, Illinois, our friends to the east have uh, they're the firing Lincoln. it in. They're firing it in. You know what? Uh, and everybody's numbers. I shouldn't say everybody's, but I would anticipate uh, Masters is taking a boatload of wagers, yeah. daily wagering on this on this event. Um, yeah, I can see that happening. I mean, we uh, the state of Iowa set a record last month. What was it? Eighty two, I think. Yep. Eighty two million dollars beat uh, beat the month before beat September by about ten November. We'll, we'll break it again. Uh, as speculated on these very airwaves, the Hawkeye player's suit dropped last night mm-hmm. right in front of the standalone game between the Hawks and the Gophers. You had this. Yeah, well, it makes sense. Right. It's maximum exposure. You play a lawyer on the radio. I, I do in this case. Uh, and you, you could just see it coming a mile away, and I did, that they're going to make sure that this suit gets out before they are in the college football spotlight. On Friday night. Uh, no details of the suit because I guess one of the reporters, maybe it was Lystico, tried to find it and it was not yet filed at Polk County. So we'll see where it goes. Uh, it's certainly something that's a little go away at one point, but mm-hmm. uh, for the time being, that thing's going to linger. So the game itself, uh, Iowa, Minnesota. The point spread is still trickling upwards, right? Or has it leveled off at three and a half? It sits at three and a half. Basically, everybody that I've seen this morning, I'll get the updated numbers across the board in Vegas right now. But Trent, find me somebody that's picking Minnesota, which worries me. How about a four and a half? Oh, that's an offshore. Um, but yeah, it's it's a big number. Everybody loves Iowa in this football game. Everybody. I can't find anybody. I'm sure there's somebody out there of the national guys that are all over the Scofers football team. But for the most part, there's a lot of Hawkeye love going around I, and based on spanking Michigan State, I guess. And is, the win against Illinois means nothing uh-huh. for Minnesota. Did you watch the BTN in 60? I did. Thank you for boy, alerting me. Boy, is Illinois awful. They're terrible. They're really, really right. bad. Terrible. And, and Ibrahim, he's a stud. No, he's a good player, and he's yeah. a touchdown machine is what he is. Yes. Ten touchdowns already uh-huh. in three games this season. He's really good, but Illinois is really bad. And... and Still, this is a Minnesota team that lost a home to Maryland, right. that got run out of the building at home against Michigan, a Michigan team that we're learning is not very good. How about this? Uh, ticket count right now, 53% of the bets are on Minnesota. Are they really? While 59% of the money is on the Hawkeyes. Mm-hmm. So you get that little flip-flop there, taking the fan hat off. And just looking at this game analytically, I was a lot better football team. I, I was a lot Defensively, better. for sure. Because both teams have weapons offensively. Mm-hmm. Quarterback, big edge, Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Running back, edge, Minnesota. I think edge, Goodson's having a great year, but just uh, push. Yeah. Push. I'll go push. Receivers? Hey, Bateman, man, he separates them. I'm really, I've been disappointed this year in, in Atman Bell, though. I thought he was going to have yeah. a, a better seat. He's been really inconsistent mm-hmm. this year. And I thought... Okay, yeah, you lose a stud, but you got him as your number three. He becomes right. two. You're good. He hasn't been that good. And their offensive line, because of an opt-out, mm-hmm. because of an injury, mm-hmm. and because of COVID, has not been very good, even as Ibrahim has been a stud, that offensive line. So I give edge Iowa there. But defensively, I mean, everywhere you go, it's, it's Iowa. It's not even close. And it's a significant yeah. game. Their linebackers, uh, pro football focus, their season-long numbers for Minnesota, 
They have a linebacker that's ranked like 32, which is low as I've ever seen a player, even in an individual game. I mean, a guy has a terrible game, and it's usually like he's rated like a 51 or something uh-huh. like that. He's a 32 on the season, three games in. That's how bad their linebackers are. Their defensive line's not very good. A couple of decent pieces I like in the defensive backfield, well, but Trent, that's and it. They're their leading tacklers, yes. and what that's not good. So what's the game plan? You get a call from Brian. You head home today, 12.02. Ah, Brian Ferentz yelling me up. Ken, I need your help. I, I want him to run the football. Exactly. Run the football. This is old school, simple football. Keep, keep running the football. And Nothing. run it out of the gun like they did last week. And, and the, because it works. There's, there was snow up there yesterday. I don't know what the forecast is today. I looked at it a little bit earlier. Um, breezy, 10 to 20 mile an hour winds. I remember that okay. part of it. And about 30 degrees. Clear skies, though. Clear skies tonight. So 30 degrees tonight? That's tonight, good. yep. That's not awful. Not awful, no. That's football weather. Right. Uh, I... I I, I like Iowa in the football game. I wish there was more people picking Minnesota. Yeah. I do. All right, Masters from yesterday. What was your takeaway? It was Tiger. Was it? Yeah. It, because I really had he no expectations. He that course, doesn't he? The form was not good coming in. No. Now, the weather, actually, as it's been pretty warm down mm-hmm. there this week, is a good thing as we talk yes. about him getting the back ready for any yep. kind of tournament play. But it's a Tiger story. And I know for some people... That storyline is played out. It's annoying, but it's the reality. We see the numbers every week. He moves the needle in golf. I mean, I I get people are annoyed of it, but you know what? He's not going away until he goes away. (laughs) Right. He's going to be the story wherever he shows up because he deserves it. Even when he's not good. I mean, the guy didn't win a major for a decade. Yeah. And he was still the story every single week, and he was the story again. It was a remarkable one of the, I mean, the, the biggest story in sports last year, for my money. I mean, talking 2019 was, uh, was, was Tiger winning the Masters. What an emotional moment it was for, it was great for the game of golf. It was it great was. for sports. And did it against the star-studded leaderboard. Yes, and had to fend off a couple of real, mm-hmm. I mean, Kepko's looming. DeSharmbo was looming. Uh, there was one of, there was a, there was a Euro that was in the hunt of memory serves. But anyways, he put it away, he did it. Was uh, it Molinari? Could have been. Yes, yeah. I think it was, actually, Trent. I think it was. Uh, my story, from, my takeaway from yesterday was Larry Mize. Yeah. Who's two months older than I am. And he's driving <laughs> the ball 247 yards. And Bryson DeChambeau was driving it 347 yards. And they both shot the same thing. <laughs> Which is golf, right? Right. Um, just um, good for I mean, he's not going to be there today. It'll be shocking if he sticks. He's going to have one. You know, one good day. Hopefully, he'll make it through uh, through the weekend. But you don't anticipate that this is going to hold up. Uh, Dustin Johnson got it going on. Um, Justin Thomas has got it going on. It's a good leaderboard. It is. And if Shoffley was who I got a future ticket on, I, I'm liking that one. Always have Xander in some kind of bet. Feels mm-hmm. like every single week after I nearly hit him with that U.S. Open that he lost by a shot. What was that year or two back? He, Xander's always been one of my guys. There's just so many names, and it shows you the depth of golf today. Yeah. It doesn't just seem so much going back 20 years when it was Duvall and Tiger. That was kind of week it. after week. Yeah, and now the and Phil depth. and Tiger, and how deep you can go. You can talk about the Tony Finau's of the world, yeah. the Tommy Fleetwoods, those kind of players that are really, really good players. I remember Sergio and Tiger was going yeah. to be a thing, and, and it never, never ended did. up being. A th- hey, how old's Bernard Longer? Because he's got it going on today. He's five under. Bernard, huh? be, is he late 50s? Gotta be. I was thinking oh, maybe even think, 60. He might be. He's 63. How about that? Mize and Longer both got to go representing. How tall you think he is? I just looked at his profile here. Uh, how tall? I don't know. He's 5'9. I thought he was like 6'2. 
Maybe it's just the name is long, and I thought he was longer. I don't know what it is. I yeah. thought he was a taller guy than that. Some of those guys, like Justin Thomas, he's a small guy. Mm-hmm. Shoffley, he's mm-hmm. a small guy. Mm-hmm. And then you see the behemoths. DeShimbo out there just absolutely bombing yoked. the ball. Just bombing the ball. But couldn't get it going. No, he uh he had, I mean he had some good holes mm-hmm. and some just wow moments of the golf of the round yesterday, but it was his I think it was a short game that let him down, at least when I was watching him. All right. We will get to uh one thirty for Tiger, by the way. One thirty for Tiger. And Zach off, do you know? Uh supposedly nine thirty six. Okay. But that was it's come and gone. There's been no update on him. Uh no, he'll start the day one over. Uh, it's 21 minutes after the hour of 10 o'clock, which he's means even. he's even. Even far- today. Well, then, no, he's even today. Yeah. Uh, it's time for another $1,000 handoff. Text the keyword money to 200-200. Right now, it's your chance to win $1,000. That's money to 200-200. You'll get a confirmation text and info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. Uh, Zach, by the way, leaving Augusta with a pretty nice souvenir at the Champions Dinner mm-hmm. on Wednesday night. He had uh, Tiger Woods sign a bottle of the wine that Tiger served as the defending champion. Nice. So, yeah, that's pretty cool, right? Yes, absolutely. At home with a Tiger Woods signed bottle of wine. Not many guys can get into that dinner. No, that's very exclusive company, no doubt about it. Uh, we'll take a timeout. Dave Sinekin on the Packers. Is Lazard playing? Is Kirksey playing? We'll find out uh, on those two. Talk a little bit about the game, but more so picking his brain on the NFC North, what he expects to see on uh, Monday night, Bears hosting the Vikings. So important for both teams. One team is in a good spot. Feels like they're right teetering on the edge. The other team trying to make up ground seems like their arrows pointing, would you say, up? Yes. Okay. Certainly, I'm there. certainly will be if they pick off the Bears on Monday. I mean, not straight up right. and down. Maybe kind of three quarters up. But this is the first time maybe since we before the season started. Yeah. Did you think, you know what, maybe this team might get in. Anyways, we'll find out. Big game Monday night. Lots of football before then. Uh, as Miller and Condon continue, again, the keyword is money to 200-200. Dave Sinek and theheadcheese.com. Next, Tom Cakert in about 15 minutes. Miller and Condon till noon. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3. Welcome back, about 10.30. Take you until noon, still to come this, uh, before we get to the top of the hour, Tom Cakert will opine on the Hawks and the Gophers. They'll go at it tonight at TCF Bank Stadium, 6 o'clock for that one. But there's only one of the regional teams in action, at least on Sunday. That's the Green Bay Packers Monday night. Of course, Bears and Vikings Chiefs have the weekend off. It is there by Dave Sinekin is theheadcheese.com. His latest blog at... Coincidentally, theheadcheese.com uh, has been posted. It's 1-7 Jacksonville, 6-2 and two in Green Bay. This has a stinker written all over it. Dave Sinekin, how are you? <laughs> Good, Ken. Yeah, I hope so. Uh, <laughs> right. You know, the, the weather could be a great equalizer, as we saw a couple weeks ago, and it's going to be a windy, cold, kind of rainy, messy day. It's going to be a day to run the football, and we do know the Jags can do that. 
Well, and uh, and so can Aaron Jones, and he was going to be limited as far as they were keep, keeping him on a uh, a pitch count, if you will, last week, and he just uh, he was the story early in that football game. So let's get to uh, a local story, one that we hope unfolds for the Cyclone fans in the audience, and then Hawkeye fans, of course, have their eyes on Christian Kirksey. How about either of those two? What's the likelihood uh, either Lazard or Kirksey are on the field on Sunday, or will they keep them out another week, do you think? Yeah, you know, they're both still on IR, so they'll have to be you know, take them up, which obviously they could do at any time. I just get the feeling they're going to hold them both off another week, um, especially with the, the weather just being kind of a nasty day where uh, muscle injuries can kind of tighten up on you. Um, I, I think of the two, I think I give Lazard maybe a slightly better chance to go. Uh, and I'm just reading the tea leaves here. I'm not inside that building, obviously. Um, my hunch is... They, they try to get away with one more week, knowing the opponent and knowing that they have to head to Indianapolis for a really tough road test next week. Gutekunst didn't make uh, any moves at the deadline. We touched on that briefly last week, but now with a little more than a week to marinate on it. Any frustration? I'm, I'm sure sh- some frustration from some fans because they're just some fans that are always miserable. But <laughs> do you uh, did you sense that, that people are just saying, boy, this run defense isn't very good and we didn't try to do anything? Well, I don't know that they didn't try to do anything. There were reports that came out last week that they had uh, approached the Giants about to pry uh, Tomlinson from their D-line is going to be a free agent, and New York decided not to move him. So, you know, we don't know how active they were. I, I do believe that that finding a, uh, a run stopper next to Kenny Clark would have been, for me, more impactful than a wide receiver. Kenny Clark's being double-teamed every single game he plays, and um, there's just not a lot of talent next to him on the line. So I think that would have been a, a bigger move, even though it's sexier to add a receiver and, and talk about Rodgers' lack of weapons, even though this team is still averaging 30 points a game. And I think they've only had you know maybe two games where both Aaron Jones and Devontae Adams were on the field at the same time. Uh, their left tackles missed the last three games. Lazard's coming back. I mean, the offense to me is not what's going to keep Green Bay from getting where they want to go. It's going to be that run defense. And, yep. yeah, I mean, some frustration there, guys. But, man, come off season when they try to sign the free agents they have and knowing that they didn't bring somebody in to cost them, David Bakhtiari, Aaron Jones, Corey mm-hmm. Lindsley, Kevin King, uh, big picture, I think. It's not the worst thing in the world. Yeah, that's a good point. And good that Bakhtiari is going to be back. Not that Billy Turner was bad uh, in uh, – uh, in Bakhtiari's absence, but I mean, he's one of the better left tackles uh, in the league. So let me let's go down this path, Dave, and, and humor me a little bit. It's it, the, the the Packers are pounding Jacksonville, and it's time to sit Aaron Rodgers down. I don't think he's had an opportunity. I mean, he's thrown every pass for the team this year, correct? I think he has. Yeah, Tim Boyle's come in just to take has the knees. That's about it. Yeah. Okay, so if we're at that point on Sunday, and and Jacksonville looks like they're not even putting up a fight. And, and and they decide, you know what? Let's get one of our one of the backups. Is there a chance it would be Jordan Love or is Tim Boyle, no doubt about it, number two? Or would you want to get Love an opportunity? No, I don't think Love's going to uh, see the field this year, barring an injury. You know, he's been on the COVID list the last week or so. Oh, I too, didn't know that. Um, just uh, because he was roommates with uh, a player that was on the list that had you know been exposed. So. Um, no, I really do look at this as a redshirt season for Jordan Love. They do like Tim Boyle. I mean, yes, they drafted Jordan Love, but they believe that if they need to win a game or to try to compete, that Tim Boyle gives them the best chance. So could he be in for mop-up duty? I mean, I hope there is mop-up duty. Right. As a selfish golf fan, I'd like to 
The <laughs> results are no longer being doubt at halftime, yes. so I can watch the last uh, the back nine of the Masters on Sunday uh, during the second half of the Packer game and hope Boyle's in there doing his thing. But I take nothing for granted. This is a Jaguars team that can score points. Um, they can run the ball on a windy day. Their defense is terrible. I don't know how they stop Green Bay, but um, I've seen too many weird games where the Dolphins come up on a cold day and, and compete. So I'll take nothing for granted. But, uh, no, I don't think Jordan Love sees the field. I think in light of the fact there was no mini camp, no off season, uh, this is a redshirt year for him. I don't think we'll see him. With that, Dave, let's uh, jump in and take a look at the NFC as a whole. Wide open. Every team at the top level has some warts to them. Your thoughts, Green Bay in the pecking order, and who else do you like to make a run once we get to January? Isn't it funny how it seems like every couple of weeks there's a new flavor of the month? There is. The, you know, yep. Seattle, Green Bay, Tampa Bay, New Orleans. I mean, those four teams mm-hmm. for now seem to have separated themselves as the top four teams. And obviously we've seen Tampa Bay destroy Green Bay. Green Bay handled New Orleans. New Orleans handles Tampa Bay. It's, it's hard to know uh, who's going to be the best team come December and January. That's probably going to be the team that's healthiest. Uh, New Orleans looked terrible four weeks ago. They put together almost a perfect game and uh, on uh, you know against the, the Tampa Bay last weekend. So uh, I think those four teams have separated. I think it'd be surprising to see another team outside of those four in the title game. I mean, maybe the Rams with yeah. that defense uh, start to come together. I think they're going to probably take down Seattle this week to maybe get themselves in the conversation. But uh, I, I just think it's whatever team's healthiest. Uh, come December, you know, Breeze and Brady, those guys, as the year goes on, they, they're old. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know that they're going to be playing their best ball in January. So I think Green Bay and Seattle have a great chance, and both of those teams need their defenses to rise up because that's uh, that's the weak point for both of those clubs. Yeah, it's a great point, the way that seemingly every couple of weeks there is, a, I'll use your term, a new flavor uh, of the week. And your power rankings at theheadcheese.com, you've got three AFC teams before you get to an NFC, Kansas City, Pittsburgh, and Baltimore. So, Dave, I want to pick your brain on Monday night because – uh, look, Trent, as you know, is a huge Bears fan. Uh, the Vikings, we carry the Vikings here on KXNO. Uh, if the Bears seem like they're right on the edge. I, I don't think that this team looks like a playoff team and hasn't for some time. The Vikings, on the other hand, especially when you look at the start, I mean, the Tennessee game, uh, just a, a head-scratcher. Uh, all the field goals made in that game, yet uh, Goskowski can't do anything other than that. <laughs> the Seattle game is just one that, boy, oh boy. Vikings look as though, Dave, that they might be heading towards that, you know, a playoff conversation. How do you see Monday night? Well, I see history. History is the Vikings can't win in Chicago. Good point. The record in Chicago is terrible. Now, the Bears' offensive line is a mess, and they've got some injuries on defense and all that. Uh, I will be surprised if the Vikings win that game Monday night. I I just think this is Chicago's season. I think they're in desperation mode. Uh, we know what Kirk Cousins does when the sun goes down. He tends to become a different cat. Uh, I don't think Dalvin Cook can run wild in Chicago uh, on what's likely to be a chilly night. So, uh, Vikings have looked very good, and their schedule in the coming weeks is positive, and everybody up here is getting pretty excited. But I've seen this script before. The Vikes tantalize you for two or three weeks, and then they come crashing down to earth. This year they started out with the crash, and obviously Dalvin Cook has been otherworldly the last two weeks, mm-hmm. but he's facing a much different defense Monday night. And I just think I tend to look at who's the most desperate team in a big division game, and uh, I think Chicago's the more desperate team, and I think they're going to come on uh, on Monday night and show that they're not dead yet and take down the purple. 
blessing for me. Back to the Packers for a moment. I was just looking at the numbers for Devontae Adams and, and banged up. He's incredible. The the guy probably doesn't get his due on a national level, maybe, of just how good this guy is, how consistent he is. Where is he in the pantheon of great Packer receivers? Sterling Sharp, Donald Driver, James Freeman. Lofton, Freeman, another good one there. Where is he now? And, boy, it feels like he certainly could get to the top of that list. Yeah, I don't think he'll ever eclipse Don Hudson. If There's you another one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. None, of us, none of us thought Don Hudson play, but he was Jerry yeah. Rice before Jerry Rice. So we're talking about the last 40 or 50 years. I think Adams, uh, again, I'll, I was asked this question earlier this week, and hmm. my, my answer is, you know, he has a chance to be the greatest receiver uh, in Green Bay in the last 50 years, and he's on a level right now to me with everybody else, Jordy Nelson, Sterling Sharp, James Lofton. Uh, he needs Aaron Rodgers, though. I mean, yeah. if, if the Packers move on from Rodgers in a year or two, um, you, I don't know that his production stays the same with Jordan Love. I mean, now you've got a new quarterback and everything's different. But if he's got Rodgers throwing to him for the next few years, uh, yeah, I mean, he's as talented as a receiver to me as there is in the game. He's in that same, you know, you, the same breath with the Hopkins and the Julio Jones, and now Metcalf's starting to creep his way into that conversation, but but needs to you know do a lot more. Obviously, Antonio Brown's been been out, but he's right there. And I think what makes him even more special, as far as Packer fans go, is he's the anti wide receiver. He's an anti diva. He's nothing like the headaches you get from most wide receivers. It seems in this league, he's a consummate teammate, a guy that looked like a draft bust after two years. Uh, Green Bay stayed with him. He learned his craft. He got better. He worked hard. And now I don't know that there's another receiver you know, Green Bay would want ahead of him. He's just a difference maker. And uh, when he's on the field, it doesn't matter who else is uh, out there. Defenses can't seem to contain him very much. So he should have a huge day against rookie C.J. Henderson, who's you know, a top-ten pick and going to be a nice player. But uh, he's, A, probably never played in weather like this on Sunday and probably not lined up. Uh, against a wide receiver like that. So I think Adams is in line for another big day on Sunday. And your alma mater beat Sparty this week, or are they looking ahead to the Buckeyes? I don't think Indiana has earned any uh, <laughs> reason to look ahead to anybody at this point. They haven't tasted success for too long. No, I think they look at what's in front of them. I think Michigan State uh, is a very beatable team. And I think, yeah, I think uh, Green Bay will be, or sorry, Indiana will be 4-0 uh, or 5-0 and heading into next week. It's a fun story, uh, I'd love to be down there because uh, that place is going crazy having a great football team for the first time in a long time. Dave, you uh, mentioned to me before we came on the air, your son played in the snow last night, high school football. How about Iowa-Minnesota tonight? Weather okay this evening? We going to get any flurries? No, I, I think it should be okay. It'll be chilly. Um, Iowa seems to have Minnesota's number. I still don't believe in the Gophers' defense. I know Iowa's got a new quarterback, and they're still figuring things out, but they stopped the run. I think better than just about anybody, and that's what Minnesota has really been relying on is is Mo Ibrahim. So I like the Hawkeyes' chances tonight. I don't think weather is a big factor. Both teams have played in this kind of weather before. I don't believe in this Gophers team. They got a nice quarterback and some good receivers, but their offensive line's a mess. Uh, their defense is absolutely terrible. So I think Iowa makes it two in a row. Uh, we'll talk to you next week. Couple of division leaders set to Clyde Packers and the Colts. We'll talk to you next week. Good hit with us here, Dave Sinekin. Thanks for what you do. Theheadcheese.com is where you, you can read Dave. Thank you. You got it. Have a great weekend. Yeah, do the same. Dave Sinekin, theheadcheese.com. Tom, Tom Cakerd, that's what I tried to say, is next. Miller and Condon take you until noon. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106. U.S. only.
morning. Welcome back to Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO 106.3 FM. It's Iowa. It's Minnesota. It's down the hall on 1040 WHO. We're on TV FS1. Sound off tonight getting underway sometime after 11 or thereabouts. Tom Cakert, HawkeyeReport.com. Tom, when are you heading to the Twin Cities? En route, just about to Mason City as we speak. So Making uh, good time. To, yeah, so get there probably, you know, one-ish or so, one thirty, and uh, get to the hotel and then and then uh, head over to the stadium a couple hours later. Or you can make it more like 2.30, stop in Northwood before you cross the border and fire at a couple of things. What do you like this weekend, Tom? <laughs> <laughs> you know, um... I uh, I kind of like Northwestern this weekend, yeah. and I kind of like and I kind of like Rutgers. Illinois is bad. They are really Illinois bad. bad. <laughs> yeah, you know I'm on uh, I'm teetering. Um, I really like Indiana at this point. I saw six and a half, but then I looked at Ohio State's next week. Look ahead, Scott. That's what I'm wondering about. But Coming off another trappy. big win. This is, yeah. this is trappy. Yes. I'm staying away. Yeah, it does have that feel. Well, you're not staying away from Minnesota, Iowa tonight. Uh, Minnesota, from the from the things I read, Tom, that, that covered the team, that have seen them play all of their games, uh, felt that the defense, again, it's Illinois, so you've got to put it in perspective, but felt like the defense is starting to figure it out a little bit. Now, this will be a more of a, clearly more of a difficult test, and we'll know better whether Minnesota's defense has turned a corner. From the people that you've talked to when you've gone behind enemy lines at HawkeyeReport.com, is that the sense they're getting that, yeah, the offense is good and the defense is starting to catch up a little bit? Um, maybe. But Illinois still ran for 180 yards last week against Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Minnesota's given up two, almost 240 on the ground this year per game, which is miles ahead of everybody else in the Big, Big Ten. So, yeah, Ibrahim's running like crazy and averaging 190 a game. But they're giving up. They're giving up seven yards a carry. Jeez. That's unbelievable. I mean, you know, it's just unreal and illinois averaged like five and a half last weekend so i'm i'm saying no to them figuring it out now is the game plan tonight going to be minnesota's going to have nine guys in the box and play single coverage and say spencer peters beat us deep and if you want to take those shots go ahead Uh i think that's going to be what they'll do Uh for sure yep it's a game plan now if this is a game that's like that they're stacking the box they're saying this is the only way you're going to beat it. Is Spencer Petrus, is he ready for that kind of game? Is he ready for that kind of moment? Um, we're going to find out. Because <laughs> I think that's exactly what's coming tonight. Um, that's, you know, if Minnesota doesn't do that, then they're, I question their game planning. Um, but I think Petrus is. I think he'll. I think he's getting figured out. Um, Smith-Marset's played well against Minnesota. Uh, played well up there two years ago. Had the, uh, you know, kind of, I, I don't know if you call it his breakout game, but maybe it was his breakout game up there two years ago. Uh, he played really well. So I think, um, he's going to be hungry to get things on track. So I suspect they're going to take some shot plays with him and see what they can get. Wasn't Amir the one that was locked in the room with, uh, with Phil Fleck before he'd give him an answer and let him out? Was that the guy? <laughs> That's the guy. Yeah. That's the guy. Before he could get on his flight back to New Jersey, he told him, uh, you got to stay in here. We're not letting you get on that plane until you say yes. And then Jeez. he 
he's committed, and then, uh, like, three days later, he's like, eh, I'm not committed anymore. Yeah. Tom, I've uh, been really impressed with Seth Benson, who didn't play the, the week number one. Uh, he's really brought something, an additional element to that defense. Uh, look, Neiman's playing very well at the, one of the linebacker positions. The cash is the cash, but, boy, oh, boy, Seth Benson uh, is really the, I don't know if we want to call him the anchor of that defense, right in the middle of the of that linebacking trio, but, boy, uh, it's, it's a different feel defensively when he's on the field i like the way he flies around the football and i think he's given them a little bit of a spark and they played better um i almost wonder if tonight if minnesota is just you know minnesota is offense is essentially a three-man crew it's tanner morgan mm-hmm. throwing to bateman yep. or it's ibrahim running the ball that's it so you might not even need the cash this week so if you know, like if Jack Campbell is healthy and ready to go and ready to play middle linebacker, play him and Benson together at linebacker and move uh, Neiman back over to the will. You've got your three best linebackers out there uh, with some size and some gumption to maybe uh, stuff up that run game pretty well. What are they saying about Ottman Bell? Trent brought it up early in the program, and he's right. He's he's not having a he hasn't had a good start to his season, and a lot of people thought that sure there's going to be some drop off, but this is the heir apparent to that, you know, that WR two, if you will. What are they saying about him? Because he's had a slow start. Yeah, they have not. I looked it up this week, and um, Tanner Morgan's got 42 completions this year. 24 of them are debatement. He's thrown 72 passes this year. 33 of them have been towards Bateman. Oh. I mean, they just, they haven't looked at anybody else but Rashad Bateman. And Bateman's great, don't get me wrong, but um, boy, it's hard to uh, figure out. You know, that they were really good last year because they had the Johnson kid who was just, you know, mm-hmm. fabulous player, too. We've sung the praises of Tory Taylor already this year. Chuck Jones, he had a uh, great performance in the punt return game. Fill us in again on that story. Kid that started his career, Chicago suburb kid, went out to Buffalo to play in the MAC. How that all came about, a guy, was I even interested in, in the recruiting process and maybe a preferred walk-on, something like that? Not really. Um, the funny story is he told um, the answer about it. I said, he said he knew he liked He was interested in Iowa because it was closer to home, uh, which makes sense, and he knew two of the coaches, so I asked him what two, and he said uh, Copeland kind of has showed some interest when he was at Northern Illinois, and you know, obviously position coach, so it's a natural fit there. But also, he said he almost committed to North Dakota State uh, because Tim Polisek was recruiting him. So it sounds like he developed a really good bond with uh, Tim Polisek. So uh, that may have been kind of his initial call was to Polisek to uh, look at transferring to Iowa. So I think glad they've got him uh, because boy, he's just been uh, really good and it'll be interesting to see if he uh, happens with his snaps at wide receiver this week because I thought he was pretty good there too. Uh, you know, t- Taylor's one of the stories of this football team so far, and it, it's, it's it's got a wonderful story, clearly. And uh, you know, the first game he ever saw was the one he played in uh, against Purdue. Tom, I know that coming out of high school, it's a three-year minimum. And maybe I'm getting ahead of myself, but it looks like he's got NFL aspirations. Uh, and if he – I mean, we got to remember, this guy's – He's just learning the game for crying out loud. Sure, he kicked before, but not in American football. He kicked in Aussie football. What's the minimum yeah. age for a guy his age? Or do the is the criteria different, Tom? He doesn't have to wait three years because he's twenty three, right? I don't 
think so, but you know, I'm not 100 percent sure. But I don't think he would have to. Um, I think he could go if he wants to. Um, it, this is like watching one of those guys that um, you know. It's like Tiger Woods when he first picked up a golf club and just had this like natural swing. This guy's just like a natural punter. You know, he just just gifted at it, and um, just the skill set that he shows. Not just uh, bombing it, but you know, the touch on some of those uh, shorter punts inside the 20 is just really, really impressive. 12 days away from the start of college basketball season. Mm. No schedule? Fingers crossed. It's, I don't know. Tom, we've talked about this a few different times with you. Ken and I are incredibly nervous that this thing is even going to be pulled off. Well, the Ivy League pulled the pin yesterday. Right. At the Big Ten level, I still, that Gonzaga game, will it happen? Will Cyhawk happen? I just don't know. Anything new that you're hearing on that front? Nothing uh, new. I'm kind of guessing that maybe Monday we get a schedule from the Big Ten. Uh, the Ivy League thing was was really concerning because they were the one that pulled the pin yep. the first first time around when college basketball went away. But here's the thing. The NCAA just can't live without the tournament this year. Right. Now, I, I can't remember. Trent, you may know. Ken, you may know. I don't know who said it. It was a major college coach. Somebody asked him you play 27 games and he was like this year because you got 27 schedule and he was basically like hell no there's no <laughs> way that we're going to play 27 games this year so I think you just try to get in what you can try to manage what you can and, and do what you can um, and if you've got to start doing bubbles do them for your conference mm-hmm. I mean because I just don't think there's going to be any in-person classes second semester for colleges. I just don't see it happening. Seems like a long shot, uh, no doubt. Tom Cakert, HawkeyeReport.com. Well, Tom, let's go back to tonight and the uh, uh, keys to the game. And, and I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm trying, I'm having difficulty finding anybody picking Minnesota, which kind of worries you a little bit. You know, when you go to college game day and they go across and everybody's on the same team and then it comes back to bite you. I mean, I'm sure there are people picking Minnesota and taking the points, uh, but not very many. It, it seems too easy, Tom, that the Hawks are going to move to uh, to 2-2 two and two on the season. What's the key to the game? And have you found anybody picking the Gophers? I really haven't. Even our Gopher site, uh, guys from our Gopher site, were picking Iowa, but they was going to be a shootout. I just, uh, I thought it was interesting. When's the last time Iowa had a had a total that was sixty going into a game? Yeah. I just can't remember the last time that's happened. Um, uh, I th- I think one of the keys to the game, Minnesota has been running the ball really well with Ibrahim. Iowa is number one in the Big Ten right now with giving up just 102 yards per game on the ground. So I think that's maybe the key is if the Gophers are going to pull the surprise, it's because they get uh, Ibrahim uh, going and and uh, they're able to do some things. But otherwise, I don't really see a path to victory for the Gophers. I just I think Iowa is going to get get their run game going and they're going to run the ball and they're going to hit some big plays and probably score. I think I when I have like thirty eight points, thirty eight twenty seven was my final on this one. Mm-hmm. I could see this. Will there be a spot in the press box for Sid Hartman, do you know? Um, I would guess so. Yeah, I think too. they probably got a seat for him. Yeah. So, uh, it was fun that Kirk bringing up Sid Hartman this week oh. in, his, uh, or, uh, in his presser. Did he, what did he say? He said he, he remembers meeting him in 1984 when he was uh, wow. uh, with Les Steckel. He was with <laughs> wow. Les Steckel up in Minnesota. And, you know, long-time Minnesota people always remember Les Steckel. Yeah. So, um, you know, 
that he was with Les Steckel and met Sid Hartman. He said he has another story, but he, he couldn't share it because I think it was a little bit off color. <laughs> uh, good stuff. Tom Caker, Tom, uh, drive safely. Enjoy the football game. We'll, what time will you get to the press box in HawkeyeReport.com? We'll get a first look at who's on the field. Uh, what time do you plan on being there? Oh, probably uh, 3.30, 4 o'clock. We'll get there. Good stuff, Tom. Thank you. Uh, we'll talk to you next okay. week. Appreciate it, Tom. Okay. Thanks, guys. Good to talk to you. Tom Caker, HawkeyeReport.com. Is, he makes his way to the Twin Cities for the 6 o'clock kick. Bama Bob, Trent, and I are going to get involved in college football from a national perspective. Yes. Claxon's giveaway. Our picks still to come. Miller and Condon take you until noon. On Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM.